The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. I mean, they, they are absolutely trying to send a message, I think, to the whole NFL. And here it is again. Play fake, lob, wide open, touchdown! A big man TD! The offensive lineman Tommy Doyle brings him a one-yard touchdown. It's 46-10. to 10. Thursday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, week 13 is upon us. Chris Sims will be joining momentarily from his home. He was ill yesterday. Miles Simmons pitched in. Chris is well enough to do the show, but apparently not well enough to jump into his very expensive Tesla and drive to the studio. He's doing it from his house. I showed up at my usual time a minute or two before air and... We learned that Chris couldn't hear me. Kind of hard to have a conversation with Chris when he can't hear me. The moment he can hear me, you will see and hear from Chris, who looks pretty good, at least as good as he possibly can, despite the fact that he was sick yesterday. But he's fine, and we're fine. Everything is fine. The show is PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. Hello to our audience watching and listening, both presumably, on Peacock. Listening on Sirius XM 85, can't watch it that way. Sky Sports NFL, our good friends in the UK and Ireland, and also anyone listening via podcast. However you get your podcast, I'm getting emails from all these people who get their end-of-year report on Spotify, and we're in their top five, and some guy has 17,000-plus minutes of listening to PFT Live this year, which on one hand, I guess it makes me feel good. On the other hand, Maybe you want to expand your horizons just a little bit. 17,000 minutes. I don't know that I could handle listening to this show for 17,000 minutes. I can barely handle doing it for the 17,000 minutes or however many it is that we do it two hours a day, five days a week. Hashtag no days off, except, of course, when we take a day off. The Patriots defense took a day off last 
season in the wild card round. And really, it was two straight games against the Bills. The vaunted Patriots defense. And I'm going to get into the discussion of tonight's game while we wait for Chris. And hopefully Chris will be with us soon. Hopefully they iron it out and he can hear me. Because I heard him fine. It's got to be frustrating for him. And I know, well, he always handles the technical challenges of this job that come up from time to time so well. Never gets irritated. Never gets frustrated. Probably hears me saying this and it's soothing to him. It just makes him feel like he's slipping into a nice warm bath as he waits to hear me so we can get him involved in the program. But the last two times the Patriots and the Bills met were disasters for the New England defense. And you rewind to early December of 2021, that Monday night game where it was very windy and Bill Belichick rope-a-doped Bills coach Sean McDermott into run-the-ball punt, run-the-ball punt. Very late in the game when the cause was as a practical matter, lost for the Bills, they realized, oh, wait, Josh Allen can still throw through the wind, and the Bills tried to pull it off. When they got together later that year in Foxborough for the regular season and then back in Buffalo for the postseason, the Bills didn't punt once. And Bill Belichick got a little discombobulated earlier this week when he was asked about it on WEEI's Greg Hill show. He said, well, we put him in punt formation once, but they ran a fake punt. Well, that didn't happen in any of the 2021 games. That happened back in 2020 in one of the games there where they had a fake punt. There wasn't even a fake punt. There wasn't a punt formation. The punt team was never on the field in either of those two games where the Patriots and Bills got together last year after the Patriots won round one. And think back to the vibe in the aftermath of that Monday night game. I remember we did the show the Tuesday morning, and the sense was emerging that these Patriots may be back on track in year two post-hashtag Tommy, that they could emerge as a Super Bowl contender, that they could make a deep run into the postseason. Now, between then and the wild card round, not so much. 47-17 was the final chapter of the New England book last year, and it created the impression that they failed again. And look, anybody who doesn't win the Super Bowl technically fails. But the Patriots were better than the last of what we saw of them. We're still trying to figure out where they are and who they are right now. On defense, hey, they had stifled a couple of teams, held the Colts to three points and got the coach fired, held the Jets to three points and got the quarterback benched, gave up. 33 to the Vikings last Thursday night. And we do have Chris. Here he is. Without further ado. Yo, yo, yo. Thank you. How, how, how you? was that five minutes for you? Very calming and peaceful, I'm sure. Yeah, nothing better than, you know, like sucking it up, not feeling good, and trying to do the show and get up for nothing. And nothing works at first, but we got it. So I, I was calm, Mike. I really was. I am still hearing myself in my ear, everyone, if we could fix that. But at least I see you. I hear you. That's good. The old mix minus. There's nothing like hearing your own voice on a half second delay. And I, right, I admire you for powering through it. Oh, it's absolutely the worst. The first time it ever happened, I, I ripped the IFB out of my ear because you can't think straight. You hear yourself resonating back into your head as you're trying to formulate 
your next words. <laughs> exactly. It's horrendous. And I, I still can't do it when it happens. I can kind of power through it, but usually what happens is it goes away pretty quickly. They figure out the button. There's a button somewhere that they just press pretty quickly and it's gone, at least any time it happens to me. Okay, so you were you were ill. You were eating more LaGuardia floor burgers, apparently. Ugh. I don't know what happened. You know, I went through my normal Tuesday routine. I do the show, did some things on social media, watch film. And around like five o'clock in the afternoon, Mike, I, I ate a, a bowl of soup and I had some like, vitamins with it. And I thought, oh man, my stomach feels weird. Maybe from the vitamins. I don't know. But all this, it just got worse and worse. Now, wait, and, uh, the vitamins yeah, in the soup, like crackers? No, I, you know. I, 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 of all the I, sentences I've heard in my life, I had some vitamins with my soup is one I've never heard. Well, I didn't, you know, I was just, I was like taking like my normal daily vitamins with my soup. So I like, you know, just did that, but it was later in the day. And I thought, oh, it made my stomach feel weird. But as the night went on, it just continued to get worse and worse. And then came the aches and pains and the chills and all that, Mike, and... You know how that goes, and uh, I've never slept so much the last two days. My stomach's a little bit better, but not perfect yet. Sounds like you had something working through the system pre-vitamin soup. I think you had something yeah. else going on that finally Agreed. activated. Like it did back in I, Indianapolis. Something I got from my family, I think, in New Jersey at Thanksgiving. I think that's what got me, Mike. I had a niece or, or a nephew that was had a little bit of a stomach bug, and I think I got it from him. Early 2020, pre-pandemic, Indianapolis, it hit Chris very hard. It hit Chris on the air. And Pete Demolitis actually tweeted the gif yesterday. I need to have that for my own personal use. The grabbing of the trash oh my can, gosh. exit stage left, and exit hatchet center. <laughs> it all came up the hatchet that day and apparently Tuesday night and into Wednesday. But, you know, we no, I didn't. I didn't do any of that. I didn't throw up or anything. I felt nauseous. You know what I mean? It was one of those where I was like, I think I might have to throw up, but never did. And just have no appetite and been totally lost for energy and the aches and pains. But uh, no, I never actually threw up and created a new gift. So I'm okay. And see, that is, and, and look, I, I don't want to get too graphic here, so I'm going to choose my words carefully as Please we have this don't. conversation at a time when people may be eating breakfast. But that feeling of, I think I'll feel better if I just throw up, I hate that feeling because I don't want to do that thing. My streak, my streak has made it to, and I haven't done the math, but it was the day after Super Bowl thirty nine. For crying out loud. I made it all the way through the 40s and most of the way through the 50s without doing that thing. I got something from my son who woke up at halftime of Super Bowl 39 and almost made it to the toilet in the bathroom off of our kitchen at, in our house at the time. And I got it the next day and it was not good, but it's been that long. So it's at least. 17, That's almost impressive. 18 years. I probably just jinxed myself. I probably have. Hopefully. You know, it wasn't that That's, long ago I was talking about how. That's what happened to me this you know, weekend. I used to, have, I, I used to have issues with my back from time to time, and I haven't had issues <laughs> with my back in a while. And the next day, 
there it went. So, uh, yeah, that's exactly. no, that's not, that's not. Hey, I that was bragging was funny, this weekend to my that's family. More, that's it's been more, a long time that's more out the. Uh, that's that's more out the bottom hatch, not the top hatch. I like that's that good. swim move like you got that. right there too. That's a nice swim move, and you, I'm, it's good you're wearing the wristband. You got the plays on there just in case you forget. I mean, way to go. Yeah. Play one. Got to poop. Uh, all right. So um, <laughs> thank you. Well, it's good. It's good that you're you're fine. We scrambled yesterday. Miles Simmons, even though he's in the Pacific time zone, rolled out of bed and did the show. So it worked out well. And I'm glad you're back, you know, because today's our big day. Today's the day that I'm supposed to have the PFT quarter zip, but I couldn't find it. So I was already kind of feeling out of sorts. And then I get up here and my laptop wasn't here and I had to run downstairs and find one so I can at least follow along with what we're supposed to be talking about. And then I sit down and you can't hear me. So 10 minutes later, we're up to speed and off we go talking about the beginning of week 13. And I had started down this rabbit hole of the Patriots and their inability to stop the Buffalo defense. I don't know how much you heard me saying about it, but two straight games now. The Bills haven't punted. They they can't stop the Buffalo offense, and that's the big question tonight. Can the Patriots find a way to take some of the steam out of the Josh Allen attack, Chris? Yeah, that'll be the million dollar question. And and I think the thing that's, you know, interesting about it is just the the kind of the egg the Patriots defense laid last week in Minnesota did a lot of good things. I thought the players made a lot of mistakes, Mike. It was one of those games where I said the the Jimmys and the Joes let down the X's and the O's. Um, but with Josh Allen, as you know, as I know, everybody knows, it's a tough task defending him. And I think when you talk about those last two matchups that you're, you're referring to, the last one, you know, the regular season matchup in New England, it wasn't all that bad defense by New England. That would be one of those where I would have chalked it up to go, oh my gosh, Josh Allen played so awesome, so phenomenal. They did a lot of good things to contain him and had people covered, and he just made next-level throws and escapes. But then when you get into the playoff game, Mike, to what you're talking about, and I didn't hear much of what you said because you were kind of in and out there early, but that was totally just surgical explosion of offense on the Patriots defense. They had no answers for anything. It wasn't just Josh Allen making plays. Yeah, he made a few plays, but we saw guys screaming across the field wide open, and they were doing whatever they wanted to do. So that's where it's a little scary. And that was the start of the conversation for New England of, wow, we're a slow defense. We need to get faster on that side of the ball if we want to compete in the AFC. And this will be, you know, a, a, a very important test tonight to kind of see where they're at. And, if the, and I think for us, like, are they serious? Can they really be a player in the AFC? Can they win a game in the playoffs if they get in? I think this is where it's a good litmus test right now for the New England Patriots. Well, and look, last Thursday night, it felt for most of the game like they were going to find a way to win. And, you know, they can score points against a bad defense. I don't know if they can score points against the Bills defense. And, hey, I know. Oh, we're 9-2. and We're 9-2. and The defense is still not good. But that's the other side of this. Even if they can take some of the steam out of Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, running game, it's gotten a little bit better in recent weeks with Devin Singletary. They've been using it more. Uh, can the Patriots still do enough? We'll, we'll pivot to that. Let's before we before we go there. Let's continue to talk about this Patriots defense because I want to hear from Adrian Phillips his thoughts on last year's blowout loss to the Bills in the wild card round. Here he is from yesterday. 
What you guys this week talk about remembering uh, the playoff loss, kind of leaving a bad taste? Mm-hmm. Is that something that you remember? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we went out there and it was what negative one, and went out there and basically basically got our face kicked in. <laughs> so uh, you definitely think about that, but you don't harp on that. You look at what they did and how they were able to control the game and the plays that they were able to make, and you think about them not punting the ball for basically two day de- two games like. It's a big deal, but at the same time, you can't let that consume you because it's a whole different team, a whole different mindset. It's our first time playing these guys. We know we got another one coming up soon. You just try to go, you go out there with a clear head and say, hey, do everybody do their job to the best of their abilities and the outcome will be the outcome. Remember, the Patriots and the Bills have yet to play. Two straight years. Yeah of scheduling quirk that has them separated until we get to not the final month of the season anymore because they play into January 8th, but still close enough to it. And, I, you know, you hear some of the Bill Belichick cliches coming through from from Adrian Phillips, just the idea that, you know, it's a different team. And it is a different team, but there's still a lot of similarities. It's not like you have a complete overhaul of your roster from one year to the next. A lot of the guys who had their face kicked in by the Bills last year are still there, and I think it's good that they remember it. If you can press buttons on guys to get them to execute better, to do better justice to the X's and O's, to not get overpowered and outrun by the Bills' offense, then you know maybe you, you tap into their pride a little bit and, and you can get a better performance. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's that's the big thing. And then we're going to see if some of the adjustments they made, some of the new players they have on the defensive side of the ball, you know, do they help out at all? You know, we know Judon's having an unbelievable year. I know he's not new, but he's, he's certainly going to be a big part of the game plan tonight in containing Josh Allen. That's been the big issue, you know. And then Uche, the other guy off the edge. Maybe he can be the difference maker. You know, one thing that we know about New England, Mike, and we've discussed this a lot, they're a team more predicated on size and physicality. They have a hard time sometimes when they have to play the teams that are space teams with a running quarterback. We know they've had issues with that throughout their, really, you know, throughout Bill Bill Belichick's tenure a little bit because they don't necessarily always have the fast speed rushers that can contain a guy like Josh Allen. And when you play wide open football, you know, they have thumper linebackers, you know, first and second down, we're going to stop the run type of guys. And they're not always best with, whoa, here comes Isaiah McKenzie across my face on a shallow cross. Whoa, here goes Stephon Diggs. Those are the things they've had issues with. It's just the spread it out mentality of the Buffalo Bills, the attacking through the air, and then, wait, we cover everybody downfield, but now we don't have the athletes to contain Josh Allen behind the line of scrimmage. Or we put too many eggs into stopping the pass game, and now they call a design run play by Josh Allen, and he runs down the middle of the field for 15 or 20 yards before he's untouched. So it is going to be interesting to see some of the adjustments. One, it's a New England defense we know is good that didn't play good last week, and you know maybe they catch a break in the fact that you know, Mike, it's, Buffalo's not hitting on all cylinders on the offensive side of the ball right now. They've kind of lost their way to a degree as compared to what we saw early in the year. And maybe that, you know, benefits them and, and it helps them out tonight to, to make the game a little more low scoring. You mentioned Uche. He had the only sack of Kirk Cousins last Thursday night, and it was one where the Vikings averted disaster because I still don't know how Cousins held on to the ball when he got yeah, that was impressive on that sack. Ball could have come out, could have been a touchdown the other way. You mentioned the Bills' struggles offensively. Josh Allen, 
the turnover issues, especially in the red zone. I remember after the loss to the Vikings, Pat Peterson telling me how film study had allowed them to pick up on the tendencies, the habits, the things Josh Allen does when he breaks out of the pocket down in that confined space where you don't have to worry about somebody getting behind you. That's the thing about red zone defense. You don't have to worry about anyone getting behind you when everyone is compressed in that relatively small package, and that takes away one of Josh Allen's biggest strengths, which is just to fire a missile past everyone over their heads and down the field. So how concerned should we be about these turnovers we've been seeing from Josh Allen in the red zone, Chris? I, you know, I, I'm not terribly concerned. Uh, I, I think, one, just because of the, the guy, the human being, right? I mean, Mike, you know enough, too, where he's smart. You know, he, he understands that he's, you know, causing some issues for the football team, and he's going to make those corrections. And I think some of those are correctable. Some of those were, like, I don't think he saw the guy against the Jets. The Packers won was like late in the game and honestly think he was trying to throw it away. So he's had a few brain farts for lack of a way, better way to say it, you know, and it's, it's kind of shocking because Josh Allen for the longest time never turned the ball over in the red zone. That was one of the best things he did. So that's where we're not used to seeing it. But, you know, again, I, I think the other thing that's a part of this conversation, Mike, is just how much they put on Josh Allen anyways. And you got to expect some mistakes at some point, and especially when it's a guy who – you know, yeah, a little off rhythm and then also not being able to practice very much the last few weeks because he's dealing with an elbow issue and the UCL ligament and all that from the Jets game. So I think when you add all that together, that's why you've seen some moments of, you know, the offense looking a little stale him maybe missing a throw that we're not used to seeing. And then them being in some moments where he tries to do too much. And I think that's really the issue at hand. And then I'll add this on top of it, Mike. I do think people have caught on to Ken Dorsey's offense a little as well. So I think when you put all that together, it's led to some underwhelming moments. But damn, he's still one of the best players in football, and they're still one of the most dangerous offenses in football. I mean, we're not making excuses for him over the elbow issue, but the reality is if you take even a, a hair off of that fastball, it gives a defensive back an opportunity to get to it. And on the the second interception from that Vikings game, I still, when I see that, it's like, who was he even throwing it to? It just was off. Yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, he right. would have really had to thread a needle to get to Gabe Davis in that play, but it looked like he was meaning to throw it to Patrick Peterson based on where the ball came in and where Peterson was. So the elbow, even though he's played through it, it was a painful-looking injury at the time it happened against the Jets. And it's amazing he's been able to continue to play with it and throw the ball the way he does. But it doesn't take much to disrupt that high-end elite passing skill. Right, right. My, and I think, you know, honestly, a little bit because we're spoiled by guys like him or Mahomes or whatever, and we just expect them to always be magical and awesome no matter what. I feel like it kind of has been like swept under the radar, swept under the rug a little there, where it's just like, I mean, we're, oh, it's, hey, he didn't practice this week and his throwing elbows really hurt, but it's okay. He'll, we expect him to go out there and throw for 350 and four touchdowns and have a quarterback rating of 150. Like, what? No. You know, that's the thing, Mike. You're right. You lose the fastball a few miles per hour there. That affects you. And then, you know, as you know, too, and anybody that's played sports or has a feel for throwing a football, when you don't get to throw the ball all week, you do lose feel of like, 
oh, wait, when I throw the ball down the middle and want that little touch, it's just that little muscle memory that gets lost within the lack of reps and repetition throughout the week. So there is going to be some rustiness there, but he better not be rusty tonight. And hopefully, you know, we haven't heard much about it um, because I do think we're going to see a defense and a team that's on a mission tonight with New England. Their backs are against the wall. The defense played like crap last week, and he better be on his A game because uh, I do. Th- I expect New England to, to put on a really good showing on that side of the ball. Well, this is a huge, this is a two-game swing in the AFC East, which is yeah. packed together with the Dolphins and the Bills at 8-3. and three. The Patriots in fourth place at six and five. What a difference if they pull off this win and get to seven and five and drop the Bills to eight and four. Josh Allen did had seventy-eight yards rushing last Thursday against the Lions, and I think that there will be a temptation in these more important games to unleash him a little bit more, throw caution to the wind a little bit, and take advantage of his running ability, especially against a defense that historically, as you mentioned earlier, has had issues with running quarterbacks and it's enough to keep the defense on its heels if they're concerned about Josh Allen pulling the ball down and taking off and I still think they're more judicious with him running because they understand the more he runs the greater the chance he gets injured but but this is a pretty important game I mean beyond the fact that they would very much like to put one of two daggers into the Patriots and keep them from rising up they still have to deal with the Dolphins and the Jets so every game incredibly meaningful for the Bills who have a rematch with the Jets looming on the horizon, Chris. Yeah, I mean, they got a rematch with the the, the Dolphins looming on the horizon as well. And you know, as we discussed, tonight starts the, the two, you know, the, the first of two games that they'll have to play New England down the stretch here. So they're by no way or, or no way out of the out of the woods here as far as trying to win the division. We know that's way up in the air, but Damn, if they slipped up and went on some sort of losing streak here, I mean, the way the AFC is right now, you'll be in danger of being out of the playoffs altogether if you don't watch out. So that's where it's big. And I still view the the, the Buffalo Bills as one of the best teams in football. I know they've had a few slip-ups, but you know, I still look at it and go, man, there's so many moments and so many quarters of just domination. And I know they've had the mistakes and some interceptions here and had to deal with some injuries, and that's certainly – you know, hurting their 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 flow as a football team, uh, but yeah, this is a big one, and they're they're teetering on the the edge of being endangered territory if you lose this tonight because there are some tough games on the schedule. Well, and one thing that was very glaring from those standings we just showed: the Bills zero and two in the division. That does not bode well if you start getting into tiebreakers with multiple teams in your division. And you know, Chris, even though. There has been some separation in the AFC. There's still nine clear contenders for seven playoff spots. And you're right. You know, one or more of these teams in the AFC East is going to have their spot taken by the Chargers or whoever finishes in second place in the AFC North between the Bengals and the Ravens. Assuming that we don't have the Steelers or the Browns or anyone else catch fire down the stretch, which is still possible. But even if we set aside the folks who are below 500 in the AFC, you've got nine teams playing the game of musical chairs with seven seats. And, and even the best of the best, other than maybe the Chiefs, although in theory, in theory, but it ain't going to happen. But everybody else has to worry that eight and three could become 
no playoff spot for you if you hit a losing skid in the final six weeks. That's why even though as we get into December and we feel like we're hitting the stretch run, six games left, a lot of stuff can happen. Standings can get turned upside down with six games, and that's what makes this game so critical. I mean, this, this it feels like every game between the Patriots and the Bills is incredibly impactful now that the Bills have become a great team and the Patriots have fallen off from what they used to be. And all, and it, it, I guess it's fitting all those years of ruling that division to find themselves in this mess where they are above 500 but also in fourth place. Uh, that was a long time coming. But now they've got to deal not with one but two but three very good teams in their division. And, hey, maybe all of them make it, but I'm – I, I can't imagine all of them. I can't imagine all four making it, especially because there's still these games to come they're where they play each, each other, other right. and they're going to knock somebody yeah. down and knock somebody out. Yeah, agreed. I, I think that's the, the problem, let alone, I mean, there's some other games mixed in there that are tough. You know, the, the one thing that's cool about the AFC is, yeah, a lot of the teams that we see in the playoff picture are playing each other or still have a lot of tough games, even a crossover schedule where you go, man, there's a lot of things that could happen here. I mean, so... That, that's where it's going to be exciting down the stretch. And this matchup, yeah, is going to have a lot to do with it. And, you know, again, Mike, like, we haven't even talked about the other side of the ball, and I, I kind of wanted to go there just, just Let's because do it. Buffalo, as much as we talk about, oh, you know, Josh Allen, is he going to get back on track? I mean, we're talking about getting back on track by, like, having cheat code or just being awesome, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Uh, but, but, like, even if they have an off night, Buffalo, I feel like they're going to score 24, 27 points tonight. I, that's just the way I feel. They're kind of that kind of team. It doesn't matter. I don't care how good the defense is. So that's where I get into now we just flip it over to, like, New England and their offense, and they looked really good last week. But to your point, and I thank you for being very fair in that comment, the Vikings defense is not very good. I mean, it's not. And a lot of teams have put up stats and yards against them. So I think that's the thing. Um, we, we're st- kind of still in the processes of evaluating New England. And, and honestly, I can't believe we're saying this. In week 13, I feel like there's somewhat still a work in progress as far, as far as figuring themselves out on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, early in the year, it was balance. And then it went into, wait, we're going to be a run team. And then here back as of late, it's gone back into a pass team. And uh, so I'm interested to see how they answer the bell against a Buffalo defense uh, tonight and to see if they can kind of match Josh Allen and Buffalo and what they do on that side of the ball. Well, and Mac Jones had a career-high 382 yards last Thursday night. Again, it's deceptive because the Vikings defense stinks. They rose up when they needed to on the final two drives or so of the game. They played better than they had the entire game combined. But before then, the Patriots were just up and down the field. Not, you know, it was just doing whatever they wanted to do, running the ball, passing yeah. the ball. They won't have Damian Harris tonight. He's out with a thigh injury. But Ramondre Stevenson is awesome. And just ride him in the running game. Let him do his thing. Control again. You know, this gets back to the old formula that we talk about from time to time. And, and it's the phrase you coined. I think we first mentioned it with Patrick Mahomes, but you keep Josh Allen on the sideline drinking Gatorade. So grind it out. Be methodical. Chew the clock. Shorten the game. Make the most out of each drive you have, even if it takes seven, eight, nine minutes. Get a touchdown or a field goal, and then put the Bills in a position where they're pressing a little bit, where they're feeling yeah. impatient. They're feeling frustrated. That may be a key 
to finding a way to outscore. There's only one stat that matters in Bill Belichick's mind. It's scoring more points than the other team. But that's right. I just I don't see I don't see the Patriots mustering 26 against this defense, even without Von Miller, who also is out for tonight, along with I believe Deion Dawkins is out for the Buffalo yes, Bills right. as well, the left tackle. So some key injuries. Isaiah Wynn out for the Patriots. I think David Andrews, the Patriots center, was questionable, as was Jacoby Myers, who I got I got a ton of respect for Jacoby Myers. He got rocked early in the Thursday night game against the Vikings, and he just kept showing up. Like, he'd go, he'd go to the sideline, go to the locker room, go wherever, go to the medical tent, and then all of a sudden he's back in the game. It's like, I thought this guy was done, and he's back in the game. He gets rocked again. He goes out for a while, and he keeps coming back. So uh, they may have him tonight. And they Look, they need him if the passing game is going to do anything remotely close to what it did last Thursday night in Minnesota. But I just think it's a tall order, and it's it's – it's a an unrealistic look at the New England offense, and we all got to watch it standalone primetime Thanksgiving night game. Some people may have some impressions of the New England offense that just aren't fair and just aren't accurate because they're not going to see a defense like that every week. That that that's I think that's the way to say it. You're right, and I think that's why I'm I'm not sure how to feel about this part of the matchup. I'm not. Minnesota's pretty simple in how they attack you on defense. It's simple coverages. They don't disguise a whole lot. So you, a quarterback can feel very comfortable. You know, as far as you walk to the line of scrimmage, okay, hey, I think they're playing this. If they're not, they're playing that. I got it. Okay, here we go. And, you know, let, let's, let's drop back and attack with the plays that we feel are appropriate for that defense. But Buffalo's a whole different animal. Buffalo, you know, as we've talked about a lot through the last few years with McDermott and Leslie Frazier, they got people dropping out everywhere and they invent coverages on a weekly basis that are specific to the team that they're playing. So that's where it's going to be different. And then, you know, like you said, last week was really good by New England. Yes, but not a great defense. And I mean, I, I don't know, Mike, it's the first time the New England offense has looked worth a damn. Honestly, probably since the Cleveland game in the middle of October. It wasn't good against Chicago the week after when they did the double quarterback thing. The Jets game in New York, they won 22-17. They weren't good on that day, the offense. And if you remember, Mac Jones got lucky with the late hit and threw an interception pick six, and they were about to be down 17-7 and got lucky that the guy took an extra step and hit him. The Colts game, the offense looked like crap. Then they had the bye week, and then they had the game in the New York Jets where it looked like crap. So that's where it's hard to get behind it right now to where, yes, New England's amazing. We know they always have great game plans, and I'll know they'll keep it close, but can they actually score more points and be consistently impressive on the offensive side of the ball? You know, that's where I just I feel like I got to see it to believe it, and I think, you know, by way, the way I'm talking, you could tell I'm leaning Buffalo. I'm going to win this football game when all said and done because – I still have concerns about that side of the ball with the New England Patriots. Oh, as you say, we need to see it to believe it. And the good news is we get to see it tonight. Jeff Bezos is smiling already. This is one of those days when he rolls out of bed, he's feeling pretty good because Amazon. Isn't he always like, really isn't he smiling? Like, yeah. isn't he always I Mike? Say. I, I would yeah, say I mean, he's probably rolling out of bed every day and like I'm winning. <laughs> I don't know how many billion is the over-under to cause you to smile all the time. But it's somewhere below 120. I know that. Although, you know what? I, I, have, a, I have a feeling that no matter how much money you have, you still find something 
to obsess over. You find something sure. to worry about. You find something that bothers you. That is a unique condition to the human species. And I, I remember having this conversation, and I know we need to take a break, but it just reminded me of of uh, there's a, a lawyer uh, that is, it practices elsewhere in the state who has been ridiculously successful, and a friend of mine became aware of the, how well he's done and yada, yada. And uh, why does he keep doing it? He's, he has all the money he needs. Why does he keep doing it? Well, it's the thing that drove him to do it in the first place. It just doesn't go away. You just don't. You just don't wake up one day and say, "No, I hear I've you. got it all. I'm out. Right. I'm done. Bye." Right. Well, See it's ya. like Tom Brady go with like six rings. He life. doesn't give up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's the same mentality. It's it's they're they're driven people, and I'm sure there's goals and things that eat away at him that he wants Tormented. to be better Tormented's at or whatever. The word. You're gonna find right. something that will torment you, no matter how well you've done. You are going to find something that drives you crazy because that's what drives you forward, unfortunately. So basically, basically, Jeff Bezos probably isn't happy today because he's probably thinking, oh, shit, next week I got Raiders Rams. Um, All right. But tonight, (laughs) Jeff, enjoy Patriots Bills because I know we will. Let's take a break. A couple of quarterbacks probably didn't enjoy their Wednesdays, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray with some off-field issues to cloud their personal happiness. We'll discuss that when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Things just keep getting worse for the Denver Broncos. Reports emerged this week that Russell Wilson has lost some of the locker room head coach Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson were both asked about those reports on Wednesday. Here they are. You know, I heard, I heard that a little bit. Uh, I mean, to me, it's all gossip. I mean, I know how this locker room, we have a fantastic locker room. Um, when you look at a guy like Russ, I mean, he, he's unbelievable. I mean, he works. I mean, I've never seen somebody work that hard. I've never seen somebody uh, try to embrace a team like he has uh, while he's here. I mean, just just from everything that he does, from walkthroughs to helping. I mean, how, how he is in the community. I mean, Russ is awesome, and, and we just need to do better as a team. It, it's that simple. And all that stuff, you know, it is, it is what it is. Um, you know, I love Russ. No, I mean, I think that, uh, first of all, uh, you know, everybody wants to win. We all want to win. You know, and uh, nobody wants to win, you know, more than me and this team and what we want to be able to do. I think also as well, uh, I mean, i got great relationships in that locker room. Uh, so whoever is trying to tear it down, uh, you can't. You know, this is a great, great team, you know, and we've got great players. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to play with this team and these guys, um, you know, and so, you know, it, there's always noise, especially when things aren't going the way that you want it to um, all the time. And so the thing is, is that uh, you, you, don't, you don't bat an eye. You know that, you know, the, my biggest goal every day um, is, is, to, is to continue to, to try to lead at the highest level. You know, here's the reality. The reporting came from the media outlet owned and operated by the NFL that 
Russell Wilson has lost some of the locker room. And are, are we really surprised by it? Is it implausible? It's not like someone reporting Patrick Mahomes has lost some of the locker room. I think it's the next logical step in this big picture analysis of where the Broncos are. They give up multiple first-round draft picks plus more to get Russell Wilson. They make him the king of Colorado. They give him a gigantic contract before he's ever played in any game preseason or regular season for the Broncos because he didn't play at all in the preseason. They gave him that contract right before the Labor Day weekend, and he's not earning it. And we're seeing it's one thing after another. It's one issue after another. It's one drama after another. Mike Purcell in his face on Sunday. I, I, I don't look at this and say, eh, man, that's just all, that's all phony baloney clickbait. I mean, of any of the teams in the NFL that would have an issue like that, of course it's going to be the Denver Broncos when the defense is busting its ass every week and getting it done every week and keeping opponents in the teens or lower every week. At some point, Chris... Somebody is going to get pissed off about the chosen one who hasn't chosen to do anything to help the team win. Yeah, I, I think you're saying it right. I mean, they're yeah, pissed off, you know, mad, angry, whatever. It, it, you're mad as a competitor and you're mad that your team is not playing up to the level that you thought you were capable of playing. And especially, you know, the, the expectations you set forth for yourself because, oh, wait, we got... Russell Wilson coming to the football team. Look at what we're going to be. And they're paying them all this money. So you're expecting big results if you're on the football team. You know, lost the locker room, I think, is a little strong in that language. I, I don't I, – I, when people say that, Not all like, of it. Oh, not man, all of it. The... Some of it. Not all of it. Yeah. It's not, well, it's right, not, sure. not all and of it, I'm but sure some there's of it. Some, uh, Right. I'm sure there's some looking at him side-eye or whatever else. And a little bit going like, man, are we gonna? Are you gonna start making some plays and balling out for us a little bit here? As you're, you know, w- without a doubt, the highest paid guy on the football team times two, right? So yeah, you're gonna get some of that pressure and some guys talking behind your back when you're that guy, and then you're playing really bottom half of the league quarterback play. I mean, that's if we're gonna be honest, that's where Russell Wilson's played this year. It's bottom half of the league consistent quarterback play out of him. So, yeah, that's going to lead to rubbing some guys the wrong way. But that's not to say that you can't win the locker room back, right? That's where people, I think, sometimes look at it, or at least like, you know, just the average fan, they think, oh, he's lost the locker room, there's issues. He'll get guys right back into his corner if he throws for 350 and they start winning some games and doing some things that way. They might not be his best friends, but they're, they're going to believe in his abilities and what he can do. That's at least what I'll say for that part there. But that's the only way to do it. We have seen. Yeah. Remember the Monday night game against the Chargers when they go to break at halftime and they have him out in the hallway personally greeting. I mean, I guess when, when, you're, when you're owned by the Walmart people, the function of greeter just is kind of natural and goes with the territory. But he's, you know, it, it, there's the stuff he does that seems contrived, that seems phony, that seems inauthentic. That's not going to win the guys in the locker room who are giving him the side eye. At this point, the only way he's going to win anyone over is by winning, period. Playing well and winning games. And the problem is, 11 games into this experiment, he can't. Something's missing. Something's gone. That's the fundamental problem. So when you take a player whose abilities aren't what they used to be, but he's still treated as the second coming, that's the issue. And another thing I've noticed, Chris... Because there are some very good PR people 
who work for the teams of the National Football League. And Patrick Smythe is one of the best, if not the very best. His fingerprints are all over how they're dealing with this because the word gossip keeps coming up. Nathaniel Hackett referred to this as just gossip. And Mike Kliss of Nine News in Denver, and it's an NBC affiliate, and I feel bad saying this, but he basically acts like external PR for the Broncos at times. And I understand you've got a relationship you've got to maintain with the only team you cover, but there's a line you don't want to cross. And he was on the wrong side of it yesterday trying to pump this situation up, dismissing it all as gossip. And he went down a path that dragged me along with it to point out the other side, that Sierra had a surprise birthday party for Russ on Tuesday night, and about half the team was there, and he presented it like it was a positive. But wait a minute. If about half the team is there, let me do the math here. Carry the one. Half the team isn't there on a Tuesday night when they're off at a party being thrown by a couple that has the money to throw the best party you're ever going to go to, right? I mean, you ain't having pigs in a blanket at the Russell Wilson surprise birthday party thrown by Sierra. So, uh, I, you know, and that that's just another wrinkle. And, and it, on one hand, it's extremely trivial and superficial. But on the other hand, Chris, if they all beloved or if Russell Wilson was beloved by all of them, let me get that right before I get too far down the wrong path. If he was beloved by all of them, they all would have been there. Wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? Put, put yourself on an NFL team, Chris, and anyone listening or watching. If you're on an NFL team and there's a guy who is making $50 million a year and his wife is doing pretty well, too, and she's having a surprise birthday party for him and everyone's invited, and presumably the whole team was invited, that's the event of the year, isn't it? Well, it, it is, but I, I don't think we can read so deep into it. Here, there's a few things that I would throw out there. Like if I was a defensive tackle, first off, and it's on a Tuesday night, yes, it's a player's day off, but the next day is wake up early and go to practice, right? So why wouldn't they have the party on a Monday night? That's where I think you get the whole team there. That's In my experience, that's the night you have a party, and then we all show up because now guys are going to be like, oh, I'm ready to drink and have some fun, and I don't have to get up early. Tuesday night... You know, that would be a night where you're like, well, it's a school night. I don't know if I really want to go there and get loose and have fun and do that. You know, also, too, you know, not that you, you invite the whole locker room, sure, but you don't expect the whole locker room to go. You don't. I understand what you're saying there as far as it is Ciara and Russell Wilson and you expect it to be an event. But, man, I don't know if I was a great defensive end or defensive tackle on a Tuesday night and I went, eh, eh you know, okay, I'm tired. We got a big game this week, all that. I'm not going to sit here and say I definitely would have been there. You know me. We know you. You'd have been like, wait, no, this is my routine. This is what I do on a Tuesday night. I don't know if I'm going to go to that party. This is going to mess up my routine. You're kind of that way. I'm that way. There's a lot of guys in the locker room that way. So, again, Russell Wilson, I know he's not the favorite of the locker room. I get that. But I, I do feel like people are now piling on and reading a little too deeply into some of this stuff. Two points. First of all, at age 57, yeah. that's the way I am. At age 23, <laughs> free food, free booze, and it's going to be nice. <laughs> and who knows who's going to show up and provide the entertainment? I'm there. The other side of it is this. I wouldn't have said a damn thing about it if this notion that half the team was there wasn't being used in some way to prop the situation up. Because the point yeah, is, I it doesn't you, prop Mike. up anything. It's bullcrap. Right. Because the flip side is the same argument about half the team wasn't there. I otherwise wouldn't have said one word about it if I didn't feel like somebody was trying to make us think that half attendance 
was good. Because at best, it's a push. Because you can say it's bad, too, as plausibly as you can say it's good. That's the only reason I did anything with it. And one other point, one other thing. Because all this talk obscured what I think was the most significant development yesterday. Nathaniel Hackett, during his Wednesday press conference, was asked if he would consider making a quarterback change now if he thought it would help the team be in better position to win. And his response wasn't, no. His response wasn't, what the hell are you doing asking me this question, Bill Belichick style, with rolling his eyes and grunting. He said, right now, no. Right now, comma, no. Right now, comma, no. There's a lot in that, Chris. Would you consider making a quarterback change right now? No. That implies, get back to me after the Ravens game. Get back to me in a couple of weeks. Maybe at some point down the road, right now changes from no to yes. I thought that response was far more significant than any of the other noise that came out of yesterday. Yeah, I, I, Mike, I hear you. It, it made me raise my eyebrows a little bit when I saw it. I, it did. But at the same time, I, I think, you know, you know, I think the first thing I thought of when I saw it was, well, he's just trying not to, like, roll out. He's trying to, you know, keep a little edge on Russell Wilson. He doesn't want to make him feel like it's too comfortable here. Like, hey, no matter how crappy you play, you're still the starter. Oh. Right, the contract I, I like kind of, of that, the contract serves as the ultimate. I know it does exactly. Russell Wilson, I, I think so, but I think he's also got to say some of that stuff to for his team to hear it too. That you just don't get a just because you're making that money, you get to do that, right? Or you get to play like crap, and you just automatically get to be the starter. So he's going for right now. He's the guy. We're not gonna you know, evaluate that for now, right? Which I don't think they're ever going to evaluate, but I think that's the answer for right now, just to kind of appease the masses to a degree. And then the other thing I want to say on top of it, Mike, too, you know, with Russell Wilson, the play's not been good. I get it. And you could corny and cheesy and sure, whatever. You know, I, I respect Russell Wilson because I feel like he owns it and that's who he is. I don't even feel like it's an act anymore. It's just what he is. So I got no problem with that. But I understand guys in the locker room do. And I, but, but what? What do you want to say? No, I, I mean, I, well, you're basically saying he's a caricature who has become the character. That's well, maybe, saying. yeah. I don't know. I, I maybe being, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to go there. But when he's talking yesterday and he's got that fake smile on his face the whole time, didn't it seem fake to you? Is he's he's probably wants to lash out at somebody. He's probably pissed off. But his default is to smile and cliche his way through it. Yeah, I, want, I, I, I'd I like know, to, Mike. I, I, I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of the Jerry Seinfeld episode where they just wanted to see him get mad once. I'd like to see Russell Wilson get right. mad once. I want to know that there's a real boy in there somewhere. You know, I've said that about Tom Brady. I'd like to see something other than the robot from time to time. For some of these guys who have this very manicured image that they're so obsessed with constantly presenting to us, I would like to every once in a while get a glimpse of their humanity, good, bad, or otherwise, not the mask that they put on for all of us to see. No, Mike, I, I don't disagree with you. And, and then, then again, that's why you hear the things that you hear coming out of that locker room, because it's not always going to be relatable to guys. You know, there's always the phrase of like real recognizes real, right? You've heard that before. And I'm sure there's a lot of guys in the locker room. that are going I'm real and I don't recognize that. I don't know what that is. But and again, I 
Mike, you're right. I mean, it, it is a it's a facade, but it's it's a facade maybe in the fact that he's been doing it since he's ten years old to where I think it's just part of him now. I don't think it's like an act. I think that's the way he's just truly programmed himself to be all the time. And that's okay. But, you know, to your point and to what we're talking about, when you're that guy, then you better play well. But the other thing I just want to say on top of that, too, is he does do all the other things that Nathaniel Hackett was explaining, too, to where a locker room is not real gossipy. And as long as you kind of handle your work, and act like a professional, a locker room, the guys in there, they're going to respect you. Hey, he's trying his hardest. He might be playing like shit, but damn, he's trying, and he's working, and I see him here. And there's going to be respect in that. And i got to believe there's that there for Russell Wilson. Out of the fact that you know, I know, you don't have to have everybody in the locker room like, like the quarterback for the team to be good. I can go through a bunch of teams in the history of football where I'd go, eh, I think a lot of the guys in the locker room do that, think that quarterback was an ass. But he was winning games, and they believed in him, and so what? You know, I mean, damn, we just saw the thing with the the, the Chicago Bulls. It seems like the whole team thought Michael Jordan was an ass. Didn't matter. They believed in him and knew how great he was. So you know, I'm not trying to make excuses here. I'm just saying I don't think this is the end-all, be-all, and this means it's all over. He's just got to start playing better, to your point. And you know, I don't think his attitude or how he acts at the podium is going to change. I think it's too ingrained in him at this point. Oh, I agree with you completely. I just, I, I, this, I, I've said this a few times this week. There, there, there will be books written about what the hell happened to Russell Wilson and what happened to the twenty twenty two Denver Broncos. Compelling inside story, long articles, ten thousand words plus that people will actually read instead of just say, "Oh, oh look at that ten thousand word article." I'm not reading it, but I'm impressed by it. People will actually read it to figure out exactly what happened with the 2022 Denver Broncos and Russell Wilson, because it's amazing that they were attracted to him in the first place, that the Seahawks managed to keep a lot of these issues under wraps, that they gave him that huge contract without him ever playing in a game, and then week by week, game by game, the whole thing falls apart, and here's where we are now. Now, maybe, maybe we get to the truth, Chris, in a different way. Maybe in a couple of years, a former teammate, of Russell Wilson's has a podcast (laughs) and maybe, maybe on that podcast, we'll hear a little bit of the truth about what the guy thinks of Russell Wilson. I say that because Patrick Peterson now with the Vikings previously with the Cardinals does a podcast with former Steelers cornerback, Brian McFadden. And this week, the topic of Peterson's former team, the Cardinals came up. Peterson had some interesting comments about Cardinals quarterback, Kyler Murray. Take a listen. Verbally now, vocally, Kyler Murray is talking about, and, and I don't like how he's doing that. I think he should keep some things privately, but it tells me he doesn't care about the head coach, his head coach. And he's putting everything on the head coach, basically saying, Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's just a matter of the fact. Well, well, yeah, well, I, I got it. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, I can't, I can't argue. <laughs> I don't know him personally. You played with him for a few years, so I got to take your word for it. Bryant McFadden's response reminded me of a moment where, and I'm not going to use any specific examples, but there are times, whether it's me or whether it's you, where there are things that we know each other believe but aren't likely to say into a microphone, and then there's that moment where we just say, screw it, we're saying it. McFadden's reaction was, oh, I never thought this guy was going to say this, but he did. 
Yeah, I know. We've talked about this a lot behind the scenes, but I didn't think he'd ever say it on camera, right? That's kind of what his reaction was. Or we, you know, and then the, the, the acting of, oh, I don't know. You, you played team. You're a teammate of his at one point and not me. So, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> you know, I, it's funny. These are things that you and I have heard, you know, throughout the last two years, right? There's no doubt about that. That some of the, I think it's some of the older players that were on the Cardinals football team when Kyler first got there that were, I don't know, offended, taken back by his bravado. You know, the fact that, yes, they did roll out the red carpet for him. He was the one that knew the offense more than the veterans. So he's teaching them and probably standing on a pedestal about it a little bit either way. Um, so yeah, these are things that you and I have heard and now we're slowly, but you know, slowly starting to trickle out a little bit. The one thing I'll say, I don't love about it, Mike, and it's a little bit like Russell Wilson earlier in the year. It just, why does, why does this stuff always have to happen when things are going down as a player? It's like now he's down as a player and the play's not good. So now I can crap on him as the personal, like why doesn't any of this stuff ever come out or people say this when He's, you know, kicking butt last year, and they're ten and one. Uh, that that's what bothers me at times. Is people pile on, but this is certainly something that's out there, and and I think a lot of people think is real uh, in the NFL circles. There was a segment on the ESPN Monday Night pregame show prior to that's right. the Cardinals Forty ers in Mexico City, and Larry Fitzgerald came as close as he ever has to actually right. saying something. And I love for Larry Fitzgerald, but he doesn't say anything. He came very close to saying some stuff by praising Colt McCoy's leadership, work ethic, attention to detail in a conversation they were having about what's wrong with Kyler Murray. And it was obvious that Larry Fitzgerald has some feelings that would be similar to Patrick Peterson's, if not stronger. And you and I have constantly heard that one of the big reasons Larry Fitzgerald walked away and never came back was because of Kyler Murray. And not just Kyler yeah. Murray, but the attitude and the demeanor of the younger players coming into the league. And and I guess that's going to always be part of our reality. The older guys yeah. feel like it's different now. And then those guys are going to be old and the young guys are going to come in and it's different now. But, but that segment really got my attention. And obviously Peterson coming out and saying what he said yesterday, but you're right. It's crickets when they're 10 and one. And, and I mean, what's Patrick Peterson going to say last year? The Vikings were horrible. It's very easy when you're nine and two and the Cardinals are circling the drain to be the guy that, that throws the grenades. It's very easy. And it's tempting. It's far more tempting to do it then than when the Cardinals are really good and your team is really bad. Right. And, and I think we, we saw little inklings of this, right? When the Cardinals played the Vikings a few weeks ago, Patrick Peterson had the interception and he took some moments to kind of troll Kyler Murray, right? I mean, the Minnesota Vikings did, you know, doing the Buddha thing and then playing video games in one of the, you know, uh, one of the touchdown celebrations. Way to go, guys. Yeah, that, this there is what it I is. was talking about. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was, uh, there was, so that to me was, again, even a little warning of like, ooh, that crossed over like, you know, <laughs> look at Patrick Peterson. He put the headset on <laughs> and then he was playing the games. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, that to me is something like of a line you don't really cross in the NFL. That shows me there was some personal animosity there. He wanted to show him that. You know, we'll see. Now, I will say, Mike, right, here's I, – I, 
I love how Kyler Murray defended himself last night, and I, I I would love to show that tweet there. But I think it was there. It is kind of cool how he fired back. And uh, go ahead, I'll let you read it, Mike. This isn't true. You're on some weird shit at P2. You got my number. If you really felt like this is a big bro or mentor, you're supposed to call me and tell me, not drag me, so your podcast can grow. That's Kyler Murray. And I wonder how much he thought about his response and whether he talked to anybody about it before he did it. I was surprised. I thought he'd just let it go. I thought he'd go high road. He's got his contract. He got paid. He's won the game of life. Uh, But, you know, he probably felt blindsided by what Peterson said because I, I think that to the extent that Kyler Murray has personality traits that may have rubbed the Patrick Petersons and the Larry Fitzgeralds of the world the wrong way, I'm not sure Kyler Murray is aware of it, and I'm not sure anybody has ever said anything to him about it directly, and that's his point. If you got an issue with me, why don't you tell me? If you want to help me grow, if you want to help me mature, if you want to help me develop, don't talk about me behind my back. Come to me and tell me what I need to do. Lead me. Show me. I'm just a kid. I'm trying to find my way through this league. I don't know what to do. There's no manual. That's what you're supposed to be doing if you're my big bro or you're for my, if you're my mentor. So uh, that's his message, and I think there's some accuracy to it. I, I think there is, too. And, you know, I think he did. He found just the right touch of, like, it wasn't a low blow. He kind of took the high road and was classy and just said some real things. Like, you know, yeah, by putting that in quotes. Like, you know, you're supposed to be my bro or my mentor. I'm sh- big bro or my – I'm sure Patrick Peterson said some things like that to him when he was there playing with him. So he's like, wait, what the hell? Now you're taking shots of me? I thought you were my big bro or my mentor. So I like that he threw it back into Patrick Peterson's face that way a little bit. And, Mike, I like your other points. I was going to go there, too. One, it's the young generation. They're a little different. There's no doubt about it. I mean, damn. And I can't imagine growing up in this generation with the social media and being obsessed and having to look at yourself and everything you do is documented everywhere. It's not easy. And we're not used to the Patrick Petersons, the Larry Fitzgeralds of the world they're not used to quarterbacks maybe being that way. You know, quarterbacks are usually kind of like, you know, just maybe not as as bravado and cocky as a Kyler Murray or coming to the league saying, hey, you got to run this route and run that route. They kind of find maybe a, a more diplomatic way and maybe that rub people the wrong way. But I think your point about – I wonder if anybody's really ever told Kyler Murray is the first thing. And I think about this a lot with Kyler Murray because he's another guy that I would look at to go. I think the red carpet or rose petals have been at his feet his whole life because he's just such a phenomenal athlete. So nobody told him some of these things. Oh, at high school. Wait, we don't ever lose a game. You're amazing. You're running him out of everybody's telling me you're the freakiest guy they've ever seen. So nobody says some of those things to to address maybe some of his problems. Goes to Oklahoma, it's the same thing. Hey, he's winning, he's Heisman, he's making plays all over the place, you know. And then you get to the NFL and you're the king of the castle. As soon as you walk through the door, I, I, I wouldn't doubt that that's totally off base, Mike, that he's never had somebody to kind of, hey, hey, dude, you don't say that or don't do that. That's not the way the quarterback acts. That's not the way you treat another man, whatever. I don't know what the problems are, but I, I wouldn't doubt that your little theory there isn't correct because I, you know, I, I had a similar thought. I really did. Can I've seen that happen in NFL world and superstars and how they're kind of groomed at times when they're special at a young age. It certainly can happen. My take on Kyler Murray has always been he's a little shy. He's reserved. 
He's respectful. He keeps to himself. He's happy keeping to himself. He's not a vocal leader, and that's fine. There aren't many quarterbacks who are like Peyton Manning and will will stand up and take charge. And And he's being true to who he is. This is a great juxtaposition. Kyler Murray has always been his authentic self, and there may be some things about his authentic self that will rub people the wrong way if they don't know him and understand him. And I think that's why he's hurt by this more than anything else. Here's a guy who was my teammate for two years, and he knows who I am. He has a pipeline to me and had a pipeline to me if there was anything that I was doing that maybe I shouldn't do. I mean, you got a young guy that's maybe out partying too much. Somebody says you may want to you may want to ease up a little bit. You have a young guy that's doing something else that's problematic. You may want to not do that. And that's what I mean, we're on the same page with this. It it screams through his tweet. Like, hey man, we spent plenty of time working together, being together, traveling together, talking together. If if you think I'm a selfish person and the only person I care about is myself, I mean, you had plenty of chances to tell me or at least give me an indication that you feel that way, not after you're gone and we've moved on. And uh, it's, it's, it's a shame. It all boils down to being who you are, being authentic, not just when you're talking into a microphone at a press conference, but in your interactions with people as well. I mean, people are phony in different ways. They're phony with what the public sees. They're also phony in their relationships with each other. And there may be some phoniness that now Kyler Murray is detecting as it relates to Patrick Peterson. And he may feel the same way about Larry Fitzgerald, because I guarantee you, whatever Larry Fitzgerald thought about Kyler Murray, I guarantee you he never went to him and told it to him to his face. No, it, I, I would have a hard time thinking he did either. You know, I would. And, you know, again, he's got a, a head coach who believes in him and and, and has been, you know, really – you know, a fan of his and all of him ever since he was in high school. So he, maybe he has nobody that's leading him in, in that direction there. You know, but but again, you know, obviously Kyler Murray's young and there's some adjustments he has to make, you know, as far as being a professional. We've heard some things here. He's still extremely talented and special in a lot of ways. And, you know, you put Kyler Murray in, this, in a good situation or the right situation, and I, I think you're crazy to think that, he can't do some some awesome stuff on the football field. You know, again, I don't know if the situation's quite right. I don't think the support system's quite right. You know, I don't think a whole lot of that offense there in Arizona, it's very simple. But like, you know, again, if we don't think Kyler Murray couldn't do some of the things that Tua could if he was on the Miami Dolphins, people are insane. Or if he couldn't do, you know, some of the stuff we see Jalen Hurts do with the Philadelphia Eagles and had that team and offense around him, you're insane. This is still a really talented guy. Yeah, he might have some flaws to work on, certainly. But I think, it, and you're right in a lot of ways, or at least that's the way I see it. I don't see a bad guy. You know, maybe a guy that's spoiled because he's been such a superstar and a freak of nature his whole life. But I think he's really a good guy, a competitive guy. And he expects to be special every time he walks on the field. And when that doesn't happen... You know, maybe he could adjust his body language and not pout or do some of that stuff that we don't like at times or it looks like he's pouting or disgruntled. But again, those are fixable things that, you know, I'm the least worried about him being able to kind of overcome some of that stuff because of the the hard stuff he's good at already. And that's the stuff on the field that that takes a lot of talent. We are 
beginning to stray beyond the allotted time that we have for this segment, but there's one more point that I think is important to make. The entire conversation between Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden emerged from the question of who takes the fall for the disaster that is the Cardinal this year, and they were talking that it's going to be Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach. And, and I know that Kingsbury has the extension through 2027. I still think there is a lot of fugazi in the Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury contract extensions that kind of fell out of the sky through 2027. I think that was an effort to just kind of take the heat out of the hot kitchen, calm things down. And I, I would be shocked if it was a gigantic extension and I would be shocked if every penny of it is guaranteed. And I think Kingsbury's in real trouble. And the points you were making about Kyler Murray in the Mike McDaniel offense, right? Kyler Murray in any offense other than a system that isn't driven by matchups, that isn't driven by film study and getting ahead of what the defense knows you do, where you're taking advantage of what the defense does. You're adjusting your system to suit the defense you're facing and and exploiting their flaws. You get a coach in there who does that, you may have something. And I don't think Michael Bidwell would ever pay Sean Payton, and I don't know that Sean Payton would ever want to work with Kyler Murray because maybe he thinks he can't get through to him either. But you get somebody like a Sean Payton who approaches the game that way, you get yourself a very different Kyler Murray. I don't disagree with that. I don't. You know, I think when you, you know, young quarterback plus young coach who doesn't really know NFL life and how to do that, that can lead to some moments that we're seeing right here. Sean Payton or somebody like that, I think, would be just what the doctor ordered for Kyler Murray. I think Sean Payton could be the guy that could kind of lay out some of those things that we've talked about during this segment to go, you know, he could find the right touch and how to, you know, teach him to be a better leader or make the veterans like him a little bit more. If this, all these things we hear out here with Pat, you know, Patrick Peterson or Larry Fitzgerald are real, right? That's where, hey, hey, you know, we're watching film and, hey, Drew used to say this to the guys every now and then, and Drew used to do this, and that'll start to wear off. And then he starts to show plays. Hey, listen, you know, you do this, and then you check to this like I'm teaching you. Look at all the success we had of this play in, in New Orleans, and you buy in that way. You know, again, and I'm with you, Mike. I, I, it's hard to think that Cl- Cliff Kingsbury would not be in trouble a little bit with the way that the year has unfolded. The fact that they've made it all about Kyler Murray and that offense, and that has not delivered at all, you know, would make me think that, yeah, there, there's a little trouble there in Arizona. And I really do think there's a way Peyton could unlock Murray's potential and get him to want to achieve and turn that potential into performance. And, you know, it's as simple as starting a conversation with, do you want to be great? And then taking it from there. And uh, I I just, I don't know that he's getting that kind of coaching or that he has gotten it during his time in the NFL. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, a grab bag that will help us preview the week 13 of the 2022 NFL season. We'll be back with more right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 